Is everybody ready? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're going to talk to our good friend Trevor Riley coming up here momentarily. But there was some Ute news out there before we get to Trev. Uh, Devin Kafusi, we knew that he was transferring. He had gone into the portal, transferring from BYU. We find out today, he released on Twitter, he said this, pleased to announce that I have officially committed to the University of Utah. There I will further my football career and education. Thanks, Coach Powell, Coach Witt, Morgan Scally, Utah football. Utah men, man am I to the 100. That's the tweet from uh, Devin Kafusi today, Gordo. Reaction player should go wherever he feels most comfortable. And if Devin Kafusi feels best there with the Utes, then good on him. I'm glad he found the place that he thinks fits him best. And uh, it's funny because when we've talked to various players uh, on both sides of the of this issue, it seems like everybody's happy that uh, Devin is happy. Uh, but this has uh, become a bit of a, a bit of a trend, right, Gordon? First Frank Bernard, now uh, now Devin Kafusi. Yeah, but I guess uh, it giveth and taketh. I mean, uh, I suppose some youths have De- gone down Devante to BYU. Henry Cole right. coming going down to BYU. Right. Good so, point. I mean, it, it goes it goes both ways. But uh, you know, I have not talked with Devin about why he made this decision. Or, but but obviously it was he felt like it was a better fit for him and better for his football present and future. So if that's the way he feels, uh, it, it, you got to be pretty small to worry about these kinds of things, right? He's a good player, though. I mean, BYU's going to miss him, right? I, I know his statist, uh, statistics thus far maybe have been a little underwhelming, but, I mean, he's a good player. Well, we're talking about young people who are trying to find their way in this world. And I know that certain fan bases are pretty strong in the way they feel about having one of their guys, quote unquote, go to a rival and whatnot. But uh, I think it's easy to root for people to find uh, where they fit best. I agree with that. I, I, and certainly with something that is important to a person's development is where they go to college, and I'm I'm leaving the sports part out of this. Do you uh, have a you know, part? Do you think Do you think fans are well within their rights to to be um, emotional about this kind of thing? Because here you got BYU fans been rooting for him, and now all of a sudden they go to or he goes to to, to play for a team that they have. As far as the sports realm goes, have uh, hmm, not a lot of love for. Yes, of course they have the right to do that. You don't think so? Well, I but within the context of a kid trying to find his way in the world and, and doing what is best for him, uh, I mean, people do get angry about these things, Jake, and, and I think that's unfortunate. Why? You You didn't seem to feel that way about jazz fans when Gordon Hayward left. Yeah, but that was that. First of all, he's he's he, he's a grown man at that point, and uh, I think when you're younger, you're not exactly sure what you're looking for, 
and and, and you're and you're trying to find it. So I don't have a problem with younger people uh, doing that. I understand what Gordon Hayward did was within the rules and was fine from a standpoint of he was a free agent and all that. I just what I what I find most objectionable about the way. Uh, Gordon Hayward went around, went about his business is that he left the Jazz hanging and he put him in a position. It wasn't so much that he left, it was how he left. Yeah, I, I, there's not a whole lot of difference. Fans can do what fans do. That's, they can get bit out of shape about whatever. Um, with that, Gordon, let's get out to the uh, Sprint special guest line uh, by any phone, or excuse me, lease any phone, and uh, get an iPad or Samsung Tab A for $99.99. Visit a Sprint store nearest you. Of course, he's a great friend of the program, former Ute, former New York Jet as well, our good friend Trevor Riley. First and foremost, Trevor, how are you? How are your loved ones? Everybody doing all right? Everybody's good, man. Same with you guys, I assume. Yeah, doing well, right, Gordo? Yeah, trying to, trying to in these uh, in these difficult times, uh, trying to find the best way to to, uh, to to survive and thrive. Yeah, man, this whole situation's crazy. I just can't believe that uh, I'd ever see this in my lifetime. It's crazy. Are you are you finding reasons for hope these days? A little bit more each day. Yeah, I mean, uh, if you follow the news, it sounds like we might be plateauing, at least here in Utah soon. So that's good. And I'm just, you know, you're always worried about older people and people who are sick, predisposition to sickness. But, uh, yeah, it's a tough deal. So this is a question just because I honestly don't know. I, I had a conversation with a college coach in a different sport, an assistant coach, uh, who was talking about how hard it is to figure out what he should be doing right now when everything's on pause and with the rules about recruiting. And he was feeling stir-crazy like he, he should be worried about something. What What is on the top of a college football coach's mind right now? You know, honestly, it's, it's the health and safety of the players more than anything. I mean, uh, I know there's not a lot of young people that are – being dramatically affected by it but that's the first thing is you know kids go home and there's a lot of downtime and you know, there's obviously the illness going around so you want to make sure your, your position group your, your unit everybody's healthy and safe and not you know messing up off the field and doing well in the, in, in the classroom because like you said there's not a whole lot you can do right now uh, as far as teaching and scheming and getting ready for the season Trevor, how have you found the transition from being uh, the pupil to the teacher now? I mean, th- th- how much different is it? And how much has your frame of reference from the past helped you in uh, in this new role? You know, it's funny you say that because uh, I'm still a pupil in a way because, you know, obviously the greatness of Andy Ludwig and, and, and Jim Hardy and a lot of Fred Woody Hamill, these guys on the office staff, I'm learning a lot. And I have learned a lot from these guys as far as relaying that information to the younger guys. You know, it, it, it was a, it's been a, a transition. The hardest thing is having someone try to get something on the first time you tell them. And a lot of time you think it's the kid's fault, but, but usually you're not communicating it well to them. So it, it's been a, a transition to say the least. But it's been good, man. I'm enjoying it. I'm learning a lot about offense. I'm, I'm able to bring a defensive perspective to the offensive side of the ball, especially the tight ends. I covered them. I went against them in the run game for years in college in the NFL. So I'm able to give insights on, you know, what I'd be looking for as a defender and some tricks that would help them in different things. So it's been good. You know, Trevor, you're still uh, a young man, certainly, but a little bit different generationally than uh, your 
current 18-year-old, has it been easy or difficult for you to identify and communicate that communication you're talking about with uh, younger people? You know, it's, it's funny because I, my, my senior of high school, we still had flip phones. <laughs> and when my mission came back and I got my first iPhone at 21 or smartphone at 21, 22. So that whole thing has changed everything. And uh, for media and just kids' priorities and what they do in their downtime, even though there's only maybe a 10 to 12-year difference in age, it's actually a lot bigger. What I was doing at their age compared to what they're doing in their downtime and for fun, it, 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 there's been a transition. Man. I'm not going to lie. It's been an uh, adjustment. But the biggest thing with the kids these days is that the attention span. You got to get them right away, and you got to hold them for for short periods of time because their their attention's everywhere. You know, they have so many things pulling at them, so many different ways to get information. Uh, you have to be able to deliver concise and good information quickly so that they'll retain it. Trevor, do they know who you are? Do they know uh, what you did on the field? And how much does that matter? Or do they judge you solely on the information that they're dis- that you are dispensing in the moment and the usefulness of it? You know, in a perfect world, it wouldn't matter who I was or you know if I was a good player or not. But the reality is, is that as an ex-player, no matter who you are, you always can, can carry a little more weight behind your words. Now, your words still got to be good. You still have to be – it doesn't excuse bad coaching or bad teaching. But it, it definitely helps. It can't hurt you. I mean, uh, unless you get into an old Uncle Rico situation where you're – you know, I can throw a football five miles and do that whole thing. You'll lose them quickly. But if you're serious with them and you can give them uh, – as you're talking to them, it, as long as you're giving good information and, and it's in, a, in an efficient way, it absolutely helps. I mean um, – it definitely, definitely can't hurt you, like I said before. Jake, doesn't uh, doesn't Trevor strike you as the kind of guy that uh, I don't care what these uh, young players have accomplished in the past? If Trevor says it, don't you think that you'd be apt to listen? All he has to, all Trevor has to say is, "I played a whole season on what was it, uh, Trevor? A torn ACL? <laughs> what, what, what was yeah, it? Yeah, man, through? torn ACL and meniscus, and I'm still uh, suffering the consequence of that. You know." A lot of that was ex. Some of the best coaches weren't the greatest ex players. Look at Belichick. I mean, he played to college football and never played pro ball, and he's the greatest of all time. So, a lot of times for ex players, especially NFL players, coming down to the college game, you got to realize that uh, you're kind of starting from square one. Yeah, your your past, you know, can help you maybe get in the door, but you still got to work hard and you got to make sure that you're respected once you get in the room. And it's one of those dynamics that for a lot of guys, you know, you see some ex-players get into coaching, they last a year or two, and then they're out because they don't have the patience. And, and you think, man, I, you know, I did this, this, and that. Why am I not progressing or why, uh, why is it hard for me? And a lot of times, like I said, it's a whole new, it's a whole new world. You know, it's funny uh, saying this uh, because you're with us right now. Uh, Trevor, but Jake, when we were talking the other day about leadership and, and leaders and what characteristics they carry, some guys just sort of have a certain presence about them. And I don't mean to, I don't say this to embarrass you, Trevor, but Tre- Trevor kind of has that, don't you think, Jake? Sure. Uh, that, that a certain demeanor, I, and I can't even explain what it is, but I, I would think that young guys would have a tendency to listen to you, Trevor, even 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 before you really start dispensing all the good stuff. Well, I appreciate that. I mean, uh, I don't know how much I can say to that. I just know that you know the guys around me. I, 
you're, I'm lucky that I'm in a situation, and a lot of us are, that we have Coach Whittingham, who's been around forever and won so many games. Coach Allud, who's the longest tenured offensive coordinator. Jim Harding, you know, all these guys. Fred Whittingham, that, that, that you learn from these guys, man. Um, coaching is, uh, I know it's kind of boring to talk about, but coaching is kind of an art form. You, like I said, doesn't you don't have to be a great player. You don't have to be a former player. Some, some great coaches named play. So it, uh, the leadership part you know, has a personality trait, but the relaying of information, man, it's, uh, it's, it's been fun to learn how to do that. Trevor, I uh, want to bring up a conversation Gordon and I were having uh, before you came on. We were talking about Devin Kafusi, but uh, Gordon broadened kind of the, the topic a little bit and talked about whether or not it was okay for fans to get worked up about a college player leaving a program. And I brought up the Gordon Hayward situation, if Jazz fans were okay to get upset that Gordon Hayward left. And we have a tweet that came in here uh, from uh, – True Brew Coog, a BYU fan, who says, uh, as, as you brought up the way Hayward left the Jazz, I thought about Trevor Riley once saying he had no problem with the Gordon Hayward decision. I wonder if his opinion is still the same. So I thought that I'd pass oh, that along to you. Well, here's, here's the thing. Coaches can leave whenever they want, all right? And it's no big deal. The player wants to leave, and it's the end of the world. It's like, dude, they only get one chance to play. So if it's not a good situation for you, I have zero problem with it. And I know I'm on the other side now, and it, it can hurt you. You lose the guy that you wanted, but at the same time, it can help you. I mean, we got Francis Bernard. Think of how great that was. Hunter Sedford last year. So uh, at the end of the day, it usually will wash out. Hopefully you end up ahead on the transfer game. And you know, you guys all know where it's probably heading in the next couple of years. It's probably going to be you know, free agency almost. But... You can't have the same, you know, I, I say butthurt over a player leaving and not be butthurt about uh, Bronco leaving for Virginia or, you know, whatever the situation is. Because as a coach, you commit to these kids and you commit to the families and then, you know, 300 days later you're taking a new job. How is that fair? So I, I see that side of it. And I have zero problem with Gordon Hayward, man. I mean, uh, it was, it's, the only, it's the only profession, professional source, you never get to choose where you're going to work initially you know they tell you where you're going to work you have no you have no choice so i don't have an issue with it what else uh, trevor how do you feel about what's going on now we talked about coronavirus and all that but what what, what is the toll on the players moving through this period of, of mystery well the biggest question mark is is there going to be college football this this season and i think yeah. that it's probably if i had to bet i would bet yes but you know, a lot of these kids are thinking, well, okay, I'm going into my senior year. Uh, it, let's say there's not, or it's an abbreviated season. Do I want to, you know, maybe they'll give me some eligibility back. Do I want to come back? Do I want to be done? Um, you know, some kids are probably going to be out of shape. Um, so th- th- there's all those kind of questions going around. Plus with schooling, uh, it just the whole thing changes. with online with classes. It's past fail now in a lot of schools. It's going to be maybe continued into the fall. So, a lot of question marks. Uh, if there's not college football, if it's online classes, am I going to be staying, living at home, wherever that's at? There's a lot of different things. I have my apartment lease. Do I need to pay for that, even though I'm not going to be there? It's just a whole lot of question marks, but it all revolves around the one question mark, is, is there going to be college football this fall? 
Well, let's talk about that a little bit, Trevor. Let's uh, let's look forward to a season that that we hope happens because uh, University of Utah uh, has a lot of replacing to do, particularly on the defensive side. Uh, but offensively speaking, I mean, uh, Tyler Huntley played a pretty big role last year. Zach Moss played a pretty big role last year. Overall, as a team, how challenging is it going to be going into this year when there are going to be so many new faces playing prominent roles? Well, those two guys, what we call erasers, you know, you see how a guy messes up on a play on the offensive side of the ball. Those two guys have the ability to still make a big play or make an efficient play happen. And uh, when you lose two of them in one year, as big as those guys were, obviously those are two big holes to fill, but we think we've done a pretty good job in recruiting with Bentley, Cam Rising, we got Julius back there, and obviously we got a slew of running backs and a lot of young guys. But at the end of the day, uh, in college football, you always lose guys. It's not like the NFL where you know guys play 10-year, 12-year seasons. You can count on them. You always count on it. So uh, it hurts. But I, you know, there's been teams where they, they've lost you know start eight guys and they're starting 11 and had a better season than the year before. So it's a lot of times it comes with development. Guys get older. Guys get stronger. And they're still kids, man. I and mean, what you saw last year out of uh, freshmen and sophomores, they could be totally different players next season just on body growth and exposure, experience in the game. It's hard, though, when you're, when you're in the Pac-12 or any Power 5 conference, and it's the schedule, man. Every week you got a big game. And especially in our conference, there's up, you know, the worst team called Colorado a couple of years ago went from the cellar to winning the division. And, and that's the kind of conference we have where you got to be up for every game because uh, you never know what's going to happen. Now that you've had all this experience, Trevor, both playing and coaching, what advice do you have for young players? What, what do they need to know that maybe you didn't know when you were coming through? I would say uh, try to try to learn multiple positions, at least to learn what, what the other position is doing. So, for example, as a tight end, I want to know what the, the, the offensive tackle is doing. I want to know what the receiver route is so I can understand the whole concept better. I think when I was younger, I, you know, I, especially my first two or three years in college, I kind of just locked into my role. And, yeah, I had some success. But my senior year, when I took a, a big picture of the whole defense and saw what was going on and knew where the corner was going to be in cover two and knew where my safeties were in the run game, it helped me play faster and it helped me make, you know, I could take shortcuts because I knew I had help here or help there. I knew what this guy was going to be there to support me. And a lot of guys, whether even it's a running back, I want to know what the offensive line uh, pass blocking scheme is. That way I can sit up on the right guy. I want to know what the route is of the tight end so I don't run my route too deep. Those kind of things, they're small nuances, but you know, they add up. If you if you if you chip away and chip away, and you're and you're taking these shortcuts, I call them, uh, as the game and season goes on, all of a sudden you realize that you you've hit a few more big plays and maybe you won a few more games. Trevor Riley with us here on the Big Show on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Compare Kyle Whittingham, the coach, with Kyle Whittingham, the boss. Uh, very similar. Um, Kyle is a very uh, demanding guy in the, in, the, in the respect that he expects you to, expects you to do your job and do it well. Uh, he gives a lot of freedom to players and coaches of your role. You know, here's your role, do it. And if you don't do it, you're going to hear from me. And I think that it's one of the most fair ways to do things. Uh, he doesn't ask you to do too much. He doesn't ask you to do too little. He asks you to do what he thinks you're capable of, and he expects you to do it the right way. And it's very similar. Uh, you know, as a player, um, you know, coach was this is the type of guy that you can go talk to and be honest with, but at the same time, you, you didn't want to cross him. Uh, he, he could rip your, you know, rip your face off, uh, metaphorically speaking. 
that respect was there though. And as a, as, as an employer, as a boss, you know, it's similar, but it's just different. And, and, the, and I don't have to run this route or I don't have to tackle this guy. I got to make sure that my work's done. I got to make sure my guys are playing well. And I think I, he's, he's very, very fair, very simple. You know, Jake, it's been a minute, but uh, when Trevor was a senior at Utah, do you know he had 100 total tackles, 16 and a half tackles for loss and nine sacks? No big deal. Uh, Those are some nice numbers there. And, you know, you weren't 100%. Yeah, well, I had the luxury of playing multiple positions, so uh, they put me in good positions to make plays. I got to play defensive end against – passing teams and passes where I got to a linebacker against running teams, running situations. And that kind of goes back to what I was saying. If, some, if, if guys would just learn how to learn more, I guess, learn more about the guys around you, make yourself more, uh, what's the word? I guess kind of like Terrell Burgess, kind of like Julian Blackman. Hey, I can play corner. I can play nickel. I can play safety. You know, those, those type of guys for the most part, with a few exceptions of the specialists of pass rushers of the lockdown corners, the guys who can do more things, they end up being more successful, and, and your team ends up being better. Trevor Riley with us, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Last thing for me, Trev, uh, Brett McMurphy, uh, who covers college sport or college football particularly, did a um, an athletic director survey, and I won't bore you with all of the numbers, but uh, what he released today was talking about the, the postseason for college football, and the vast majority of athletic directors at the FBS level, 72% actually, prefer an eight-team playoff, and the majority of athletic directors prefer automatic qualifiers from every conference and an automatic G5 qualifier. What is the perfect postseason for college football in your mind? I think that's the way. And then you have you know, automatic G5, highest G5 uh, ranking. You have the five, you know, P5 conference champions that give you six and you give two at large. I think that would be fair. And honestly... I don't understand why we can't just go to whatever the FCS, FCS is doing. I don't know if there's a 16-team playoff, but if they can do it, why can't we? And a lot of times it still shakes out where the top four teams end up in the in the semifinal. So a lot of these big blue blood programs, they don't, you know, they always. I think the biggest thing is they want to protect themselves from having to play too many games and exposing themselves. But at the end of the day, it's already done at Division Two, II, Division Three, Division One AA. So. I don't see the big deal. I, I wouldn't mind a 16-team playoff. Uh, I don't. I don't see. I think that's what FCS does. I don't see the big deal if they do it. Why can't we? Jake had some questions about protecting the, the athletes from too many games. Is that a legitimate concern? The problem is, though, like I said, it's already being done. So why are we like better than the lower levels than the big well, well, states and we were state? Well, hold on, because because my opinion was get rid of conference championship games. If you're going to go to eight playoff teams, get rid of conference championship games. That was my whole argument. And if you look at the FCS level, how many games? What's their regular season, Trev? Ten games, nine games? I mean, it is a shorter regular season. So that was my point: was get rid of conference. Is championship it really games. shorter? I don't know if it is. I know yeah, I know they usually play one or two big dogs, uh, D1 teams, and then they have a small D2 team they play in the in the pre in the pre league. I don't know if it's ten games. That might be the same level. They just may not have conference championship games. And even then, I think they do have those also. If someone can look into that, I'm pretty sure that they have almost the same thing we do, except they have. Maybe a game less. I can't. I don't know, but they have a 16 team playoff, if I'm not mistaken. It might be eight. Either one. They have a big playoff, and they've been doing it for years. 
So, so, I, so I, I, the, the, point, the point is, I don't see if it's already being done. I, I don't know the exact numbers. But I'll make sure we're right on that. But if it's already being done at those levels, those guys are the same age as us and playing the same sport with the same referees a lot of times, I don't see the big deal. Trevor, last two questions from me. The first one is, have you had enough of a taste of coaching now that you're absolutely certain that this is your life's calling? And the second thing is, Having gone through the draft, uh, what would you say to the Utes that are sitting there wondering whether they're going to be drafted, where they're going to be drafted, where they might end up going? If I remember correctly, I think you went and played golf on draft days, didn't you? I did, man. I did. I knew I was probably a third-day draft guy, fourth through seventh round, and I couldn't stand to watch TV. So I went and played golf, man, at a nice golf course in uh, Solana Beach, California. But as far as my life calling, man, it's starting to feel that way, you know. Um, in coaching, you're always looking to make that next move as far as more responsibility, a better better situation for yourself. And I don't know what the future holds. Maybe I get, I get back into the NFL. Uh, we'll see what happens right here at Utah. But you know, I love it. It's it's addicting. It's uh, very much a drug uh, in a way that it's hard to get a step away from the, the competition, the scheming, and. Uh, the camaraderie of, of being part of a team. So uh, right now I feel that way. I mean, that could change, but I'm enjoying it. My wife's on board so far, which is more than half the battle with all these coaches, and um, I'm enjoying it. Well, I'm sure you're going to be successful, whatever, however it turns out. If uh, Jake, you would agree with me, Trevor seems like he's got what it takes. Oh, yeah, you bet, man, and, and we're rooting for you. Well, I appreciate it, guys. Um, Gordon, stay in the house, will you? worried about you man (laughs) everybody is everybody is i'm trying to you know you mentioned the old feeble guys uh that's me so i'm not that old (laughs) i'm trying to take care you too man man. thanks trevor uh trevor riley former you uh currently on the coaching staff up there former of course uh, new york jet by the way so weber state uh this year gordon 2020 Mm -hmm. they have 11 games on their schedule uh, three non-conference games, so they play eight conference games, eleven total. And then, and then they had. Let's see, they did they go two rounds this year? Uh, no, they went more than that. But three? Uh, yeah, I believe three. So it it still is at least one fewer conference game than some, and then one fewer regular season game than. Uh, mm-hmm. So it, it would be two fewer regular or two fewer games if you got rid of the conference uh, championship, right? And by the way, way to way to misrepresent my opinion to Trevor. By the way, <laughs> oh, that, you've never done that to me. Never have you? once. You have never ever mischaracterized my positions on anything. Never happened. Not once. All right, stay tuned. We'll have more big shows sure. straight ahead. <laughs> big thanks to Trevor Riley for jumping on with us. Ninety-seven five and twelve eighty the zone. Show Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. I want to remind you about our friends at Action Plumbing, Heating, Air, and Electrical. Uh, 801-833-3333. Give them a call today or go to actionplumbing.net. 
You know, this is a good song for uh, for what we're going through as a as a community right now. We're still standing, Gordon. Still standing. We're still making it happen. You guys ever see the movie Sing? I had oh, great movie. That's my daughter's absolute favorite movie. And I- there's a part where uh, uh, Johnny, voiced by Taron Egerton, does this song at, uh, at the, right. this concert. And because John Elton heard or Elton John, sorry, heard him do that song in that movie, wanted him to play him in his movie. Really? Yep. Wow. How about that? Fun fact, man. That, have you ever seen that movie, uh, Gordon? It's really good. Matthew McConaughey, right, uh, Austin? Yeah, as the little koala. Yeah. yeah he, Mr. No, Moon, not, Buster Moon. I've, I've not seen it. Oh, you know what? But I did see Rocket Man. You, uh, you would like it. Sing is is really good. I watched it about a month ago with with Sadie. I know, uh, it, it, but it's a good movie. It's not just you know one of those. <laughs> it's not just a. It's a really good. Gordon movie. Gordon would love it. Yeah. And the music is just terrific. And we have it. We have it on DVR, and it was on around Christmas time. And because we watch it so often, Jake and Gordon, we have it memorized, not just the movie, but the commercials, the KFC. Right. Hey, listen, folks, it's dinner time. All, all the commercials we have it memorized in order to, <laughs> just because we watch it so much. That's a throwback to my childhood and uh, VHS tapes. Sure. You'd, you'd VHS something that was on TV. You're like, oh, this is coming on. We got to record it. And then you'd watch it over and over and over again. And every commercial, you knew exactly yep. what it was. Mm-hmm. Yep. I right. still remember Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, the claymation. Right. And the little Fisher-Price <laughs> flashlight the commercial that would come that on. That was on. Yeah. yeah. That's That's funny. That's funny because kids probably don't deal with that as much anymore, right? With all the streaming and all that stuff. Right. Yeah, it, you know, you'd show me a commercial on local TV in like 1987, and I'd have it memorized. Getting back to uh, to Rocket Man, were you guys shocked at the uh, the honest approach in that movie? Uh, some of the ugly details that uh, Elton was uh, fine with making known. Uh, no, because that wasn't the really theme of the movie, honestly. And uh, what, what was the theme? Oh, I don't know. I thought that movie was much more fantastic, which it's with its um, the the musical scenes where it was almost dreamlike. I mean, it was it was I mean, the character arc had to do with some flaws or whatever. But uh, I guess if you're asking if I'm surprised by that, I'm not, because uh, as you know, he kind of pointed out at the end of the movie is he came to deal with his own flaws and problems and addictions. Uh, he made that part of his life public to help others. So I'm not I guess I'm not really surprised by that. Hmm. Okay. All right. Were you? A little. Why? I mean, because it was, it, uh, and that's where stories get their power, is in their honesty. And um, I thought, uh, along with the entertainment side of it, I thought uh, he saw himself and was willing to have himself portrayed in a light that showed some pretty low lows. And it's uh, ironic, I guess, you just played I'm Still Standing, because that's pretty, <laughs> that's pretty uh, appropriate for his story, right? Yeah, but if you don't have the low lows in there, they're not making a rock biopic about you. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, that's, uh, it, that's the story. That's the way it always right. goes. I mean, the, what was that, that VH1 show, Behind the Music? You know, they never made a Behind the Music about the, the perfect band that always got along and never did drugs. Like, this is the most sober band of all time. They all got along. I saw an interview the other day on one of the channels uh, uh, with uh, Dan Rather interviewing Steve Perry. And and Steve's pretty cryptic about parts of his life. He won't he won't go into into every detail. But he went through a period after Journey's great success where he uh, uh, where he indicated that uh, 
alcohol and drugs and uh and i believe women uh were all a big part of that and uh not a happy time in his life but i i can't when was the last time you heard a story about a rock artist who who avoided those those traps never because nobody's interested in that no one but, that but, got a number one hit it, at some but point does yeah. it, but does it happen are there rock stars who are well aware of, of what, it, what it is, what it's going to be, and they're able to, to dodge that? Uh, Joe Walsh of the Eagles had a pretty crystal clean life, didn't he? <laughs> no. Uh, Gordon. Nobody? I mean, there's got to be somebody. It's Miley Cyrus? No. Wait, no. 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 Let's see here. Um, hmm. What's up? Britney Spears. No. Let's see. No, not Led, not no. Steve Barry, but Joe Perry. No. No. Uh-uh. No, uh-uh. no. Christina no, no. Perry. Uh, uh, the, uh, the Katie Perry. Uh, uh, let's see. Um, now you'll uh, you'll encounter um I I think uh, uh musicians that learn their lesson early and still latch onto that persona, but that's not who they are anymore. Like uh Alice Cooper. Have you ever I I've never met the man, but I've I've talked to several people, including our sales manager, Kurt Thomas, who have, because Kurt went and played golf with him. Kurt kind of looks like Alice Cooper. But uh, I guess he's the most normal guy you've ever, I mean, he's just a golfer. Just goes out and plays golf. Like He's like, a great golfer. Yeah, he's yeah. really good. Yeah, he's terrific. And apparently, he lives down there in Arizona, like you said. Apparently, his, uh, his passion after he got over the addiction and the fast living or whatever, how he stays sober is by playing golf. And now he's just a normal dude who still latches onto that persona, but just kind of lives a nine to five life. When I was doing a show with Ron Boone uh, many, many, many years ago, he said that he had played golf with Alice Cooper, and I asked him when uh, when uh, Cooper left a putt short if he said, nice putt, Alice. Yeah. Did he really do that, or is that just like a legend that he, he tells? What, that he played golf with Alice Cooper? That he had that line. No, oh, no I Gordon asked him. him. Oh, I asked you him asked him. He, I'm sorry. I thought he said if he, he did. If he, if he, no, I asked yeah. him if he said that. I see. Uh, but, but yeah, Gordon, when, uh, when you're a young 18 to 24-year-old who has absolutely zero rules or limitations on what they can or can't do, <laughs> yeah, a lot of people make mistakes. It's probably not. It's probably not a, a hard road to go down. I'm guessing Look. there's there's a reason that there's a pattern to all of this because when you're 19 and everybody says, "Hey, would you like all the wine, women, and uh, drugs in the entire world and all the fame to go along with it? Would you like that?" Not very many people say no. You mean no some rule. stereotypes are true, Jay? Because I can tell me <laughs> no rules to play by. You want that? You can well, be yeah, above the law and everything minute, else. Wait a minute. Who was somebody said that tennis would be a lot less fun to play if there wasn't a net there, if there weren't certain lines around the court. You, you got to hit it in the court. You got to hit it over the net, right? Well, this so is not there, tennis. <laughs> I just, I'm to the point now where you said that nobody's interested in that, but it would be so unusual to see it actually told where someone was able to avoid these things that it would be interesting. No, that's not a good story. Somebody has success, deserves success, <laughs> handles it correctly, and has a, a, a 50-year career. Yeah, who cares? I, I mean, what would you do, Jake? This is when Judd uh, Drugs showed up to the party and Gordon said no. 
my my career is too important to me and left. A it feature was a, film for it, families. It was a life-changing moment for Gordon Monson. The end. There's no uh, VH1 behind the music for the tab choir. Is right. that what you're telling me? They all and then got at along. The, then at the end, I could shake my finger at the audience and say, hey, look here. See? This is, uh, you can find happiness right from the beginning. See, you know, Avoid these, these awful pitfalls that, that beset so many. It's it's Lord of the Rings, Gordon, or not Lord of the Rings? Excuse me, it's Lord of the Flies. It's when Jeez. when all uh, social norms and rules and everything is is lifted from upon you. We're really just ter- a, a, a terrible species. The see, I have to believe, I have to believe that there are young people out there who, if you threw all the fame and all the money and all the drugs and alcohol and all the women and all the promiscuity and no rules at all, that there would be some that would say, that doesn't look like it's a path to happiness. I'm not going to do that. You're saying that there are none that exist? Uh, when you when you find the 18 to 24-year-old that falls into that, let me know. <laughs> are you saying that you... Would have fallen victim to the same path as many of these others have? Oh, I would have been long dead. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Wait, is that dude. funny? I don't I know. Know. It's the truth. Huh. So you would have been one of those 27s, huh? More than likely, yeah, maybe like, even earlier. Uh, Janis Joplin and Jimi Hendrix and who else? Jim was, Morrison, uh, Keith Moon. Jim Morrison. Yeah. No, Jake won no. a talent uh, talent uh, uh, show at, in college, and we can't tell you what happened after that. It, it was just a, one show. It was a long, bumpy, you know, ride that I'm still recovering from. No, I, yeah, I, yeah I, of course. Here's millions of dollars, and no rules apply to you. And every woman on the planet would uh, your own would, plane, uh, your own bus, yeah, everything. Here it is. Access to everything. Laws don't apply to you. Yeah, but see, that's not. It's that, that's who was it? Who was the uh, the, the siren? The, the movie siren that said, uh, "Buckle up, it's going to be a bumpy ride." I don't know. Bowler Jack. It was it. It wasn't Bowler Jack. <laughs> the movie siren was that Lauren Bacall? Who was it? Who said that? Didn't he say it the Lisa's bogey? pet name for me is Bowler. I think it was uh, Carl Weathers. <laughs> you might be right. Yeah, I think it was. No, uh, it was. Hey, was hey, it Lauren, you got was, yourself a stew going. Was it Lauren Bacall talking to Humphrey Bogart? I think it was uh, Bette Midler. Something about a bumpy ride and buckling up or something. I don't know. If it's going to be a bumpy ride, then avoid the bumpy ride. Fly around the storm. Yeah, because lots of 18-year-olds are doing that. You read that off a greeting card? You really, uh, you really have not had any fun in your life, have you? Yes, I have. You I've really made, haven't. I've made plenty of mistakes in my time. It's just to, to go that far off the, into the deep end. It, it, I mean, Pretty there, easy been to so, do. there are so many stories of people who have done that that have led them to more misery than happiness. So, I mean, well, can't. Can't some people see it and say, "No, I, I understand. I'm going to. I come from a family where, where I was taught certain things, and so I'm going to avoid that." And I have to believe that happens sometimes. Gordon, Katy Perry's par- uh, dad was like a <laughs> minister or a pastor of some sorts, and her first hit was about kissing a girl. So you're saying that everybody, darn near everyone, falls victim to the temptations of the world. Yep. 
It, Britney pretty, Spears made it big on the schoolgirl thing where she was just bubblegum pop. The next album. She was the number one pop star in the world. Clean cut and everything. The next album. Go ahead and Google it if you would. How about uh, she and Christina Aguilera were both on, uh, what was it? Uh, Mickey the Mouse Mickey Club. Mickey Mouse Club. And hey, we're judging hey. these people that we don't even know, by the way, which I I'm jealous of them. do not feel comfortable with. But I think we all encounter life's problems, Gordon, and maybe some it, it, it hits more than others. But no, no, I, it's not, pretty I'm easy saying, from your ivory I, tower to be no, like. No, no, I'm not judging people here. I'm just saying that to, are there some who see it for what it is before having to experience it? All right, we'll have more Big Show coming up next. We've got a partner profile coming oh, your right, way. I got your ivory tower right here. <laughs> We're going to talk to Nick Reynolds, who's uh, titled Chick- or he is a Chick-fil-A operator at the City Creek location as well as the Vivint Smart Home Arena location. We'll talk to him about what, uh, what Chick-fil-A is doing uh, during these trying times. That's straight ahead on The Big Show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're hoping to do a partner profile uh, coming up here momentarily. Talk to Nick Reynolds of Chick-fil-A, Utah. Uh, we're trying to get him on the line. Love doing these partner profiles, highlighting what uh, some of our partners here on the station are, are still doing during this pandemic. Uh, so hopefully we'll we'll catch up with Nick here shortly. Uh, but this this song I absolutely love, Gordon. And, and speaking of uh, rock stars and that sort of thing, uh, this th- that song was playing in one of my very favorite scenes in any movie. Uh, if you've seen the movie Almost Famous, we're on the they're on the bus and they start singing that movie or that song. It's just amazing. I love that scene. Yeah, I didn't see that movie. I've heard of it, uh, but that that song takes me back to high school, man. Uh, those were good times. Gordon, you need and to watch that. You need to watch that movie. Yeah, yeah you well, know the beautiful... the basis of it. Uh, isn't it somebody? Isn't it somebody uh, a rock uh, journalist that follows a band around or something? Yeah, yeah. And so the journalism side of it, you would actually like because there's there's a. a like there's a theme of journalism that goes through it, whether you're the rock band's buddy or whether you're honestly reporting. Mm-hmm. And so there's this battle within his soul. It's one of those things, whether he's there to, you know, to tell a story or he's there to be cool, to be mm-hmm. popular, be friends with the rock stars. I think he would like that. Plus, it's, uh, it's kind of based on, uh, it's based on a true story. Cameron Crowe actually wrote for Rolling Stone when he was 16. And this is him telling stories from his time covering rock bands. And the band, the band that he covers is the combination of three different bands. I think it's uh, one of them's Led Zeppelin for sure. I think Leonard Skinner is the other one. And the Allman Brothers, I think, is the third. So it's you would really like it. 
I, I, you should watch it for sure. Yeah, that sounds intriguing. I'll tell you, I, covering uh, the NBA through the years, there are times when you feel like you're, you're, you're covering a rock band. I mean, those Jordan Bulls teams were that way. Maybe some of the Lakers teams were that way. It's, um, and, and the Warriors uh, more recently. But uh, anyway, you should yeah. you'd like that movie, Gordon. In fact, the, I'm encouraging encouraging you to watch it because I'd like to hear your uh, your review, so to speak. Okay, I'll I'll check it out. All right, it's time for a partner profile. Austin, hit it. It's time to showcase those that are helping all of us through these difficult times. This is a partner profile on the Zone Sports Network. All right, joining us now on this partner profile from Chick-fil-A, Utah. In fact, he operates the Chick-fil-A here at Viv and Smart Home Arena, as well as the City Creek Center locations. He is Nick Reynolds with us here on The Big Show. First and foremost, Nick, thank you very much for joining us. How are you and yours? Everybody doing okay? We are doing well. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be on with you guys. And, uh, you know, it's been, a, it's been a crazy few weeks, as it has been for the whole world, but uh, we're certainly getting through it. Well, before I've got to tell you right off the bat that I don't know anybody. I don't know anybody that doesn't like Chick-fil-A. Do you, Jake? Love it. Absolutely. Everybody. Uh, get everybody it all loves it. Yeah. Well, you guys are great. Yeah, we, uh, we, we love serving the, our guests here in Utah. We've got phenomenal guests here. It's, it really is remarkable. Well, no doubt about it. I'm particularly partial to the location here during games at the arena. But also on the on the City Creek front, I understand uh, you guys are back and you're up and you're serving folks. We are. We actually we, we closed down a couple of weeks um, based on uh, the, the recommendations, but we've we've retooled and so we've reopened downtown with a drive through right uh, next to the Cheesecake Factory. You can also place your order through DoorDash or Uber Eats or even the Chick Fil A mobile app. So we've been we've been serving guests down here all day long. It's been been awesome. Mm, I'm working up a powerful appetite right now, aren't you? <laughs> we all are, I think, Gordon. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's talk about something special you guys are doing uh, during this month. Um, I, I, if my information is correct, you're donating 45,000 sandwiches? That's correct. Yeah, so we actually completed that. We, we are um, working on some additional funding to be able to continue that, but we have donated 45,000 sandwiches as of the end of last week. And this is kind of a two-part effort. When when our location downtown closed, as well as three other mall locations in the area were significantly impacted because we don't have drive-throughs traditionally, right? And so our drive-through locations, while they've seen an impact in sales, they, they've been able to, to continue to employ their, their teams. But we had an idea on the marketing team that I sit on, and we were able to reallocate some funds where we donated 45,000 sandwiches to schools, to some of the shelters, to hospitals, some of our heroes that are working so hard in those hospitals. And so it's been a great community involvement, but it's also allowed several dozen of our team members to continue to work and receive a paycheck. Um, so it, was, it really was a win-win these last couple weeks. Can you tell our listeners what, what you do to make sure that the food is safe? Absolutely. We've done many things over the past few weeks. We Food safety is always our number one effort. We have many things that we do throughout the year, um, throughout each week, and you know, even up down to each hour um, to make sure people are safe. We've stepped it up even further um, with the outbreak of COVID-19. And so we have timers set in our restaurants um, as far as hand washing 
um, on a regular basis. We have uh, gloves that we have our team members wearing. We've got sanitizer that we're using in our drive-throughs for all the equipment. Um, when people come in through the drive-through, we are asking that people not pay in cash. And we're holding our credit card readers right up to the uh, window so people could just swipe the card themselves. That way it's a contactless uh, effort there. Uh, we're rolling out outside hand-washing stations for our team members that are working the drive-thrus outside. So a number of steps to really make sure that we're being as safe as possible. And one thing I wanted to highlight with you, and uh, Nick Reynolds is with us from Chick-fil-A, Utah. Uh, you know, I think a lot of us are, are really doing our best to, to not only support companies, but support locally owned companies and, and help uh, folks right here in our community, uh, business owners that, that need it. And, you know, it's probably good to remind everybody that Chick-fil-A locations are locally owned and operated franchises. Yeah, that's correct. We've got 22 local owners here in the area, we're responsible for, for all of our team members, our, our leadership, and everybody. Some people think, you know, Chick-fil-A is just a big company, so it all runs out of Atlanta. But that's when it comes to our teams and how we run our business. It's all very much local. We're all uh, local entrepreneurs in the area. So we, we really appreciate the support from the community, and we love the opportunity to give back where we can as well. Nick, you talk, talked about the, uh, the, the the great customers you have. What is the connection between people here and Chick-fil-A? And is your business crisper, uh, faster, uh, bigger here than it is in other regions around the country? I know it's popular everywhere, but is it especially so here? We, we do. Chick-fil-A does well nationwide, but we, we have a, a special connection with our guests here, um, partly because we've got a lot of big families. We try to be as family-friendly as we can with our, you know, normally when you can come into our restaurants and go into the Playlands, of course, those are closed right now, but um, our focus on making it easy for moms, uh, the drive-through play that we have, we really pride ourselves on being able to get people in and out as quickly as possible while still providing, you know, hot, fresh food. Um, and, you know, I think it's kind of a two-part scenario. We, we've got a lot of raving fans, but we have, we, we really focus on our team members and the training that we do. So we try to have them connect with our guests as, as best as they can and to provide a really great experience all the way from when they first place that order till their, their last bite of their nugget. All right. want to encourage everybody. You heard Nick talk about it, but encourage everybody to use that Chick-fil-A One app. Place your order. You can make payments there, too. Uh, pick up either drive through or curbside. They're making the process really easy and safe for everyone. And, Nick, we want to thank you not only for coming on the show, but thank you for being such a great partner with us here on The Zone. Uh, we're happy to get the word out about anything you guys are doing, so make sure and stay in touch, and uh, we really appreciate you. All right. Thank you, guys. Appreciate your time, and uh, have a great day. Stay safe. Back at you, Nick. Thank you. That's Nick Reynolds. Uh, he's a Chick-fil-A operator for the Vivint Smart Home Arena location as well as the City Creek Center locations. And, Gordon, they're back up and rolling. I know City Creek has been a little, you know, kind of open shut. I'm not sure exactly what's going over, on over there uh, from a day-to-day basis. But we do know that the Chick-fil-A is open. They're open today. They're doing drive through curbside. Check out that Chick-fil-A app and go get yourself a, a chicken sandwich. Man, I'll tell you what's most encouraging to me is the care they're taking in, uh, in making sure everything is done appropriately, you know, uh, in this in this uh, time, people need to know that. And if you're doing it the right way, then then people can feel secure. All right. Coming up next, we're going to talk to the one and only David Locke. Stay tuned. 97.5 and 1280 of the zone.